Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have um, brought us to this place. Thank you for the work it is to get to church, waking up, getting ready, prioritizing, coming to this place to hear your word, to worship, to have good news proclaimed. Lord, we come, but yet we need your Holy Spirit to do this work. We need your Holy Spirit to open up our eyes and our ears, because without that, boy, none of us would get anything. So Lord, chisel out eyes and ears out of our granite heads. Let my words be infused with your Holy Spirit. Give us peace, hope, love, so that we might be transformed into you. We pray these things in the powerful name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit we're talking about is patience. And I realized we haven't um, just brought ourselves back to this verse in a while. So I just wanted to remind us, this idea of the fruits of the Spirit, they come out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. The idea is is that we, like in Psalm 1, are a tree planted by the river, and the Spirit of God is filling us up. And as that Spirit fills us up, these fruits are produced. They're not produced by us trying really hard to be patient, because you know how that goes on Christmas Eve. As you try really hard to fall asleep, we get these things out of our centered on the gospel the Holy Spirit filling us, giving us life, and producing these things. In this season of Advent, we're talking about patience. Patience is this holy ability to actually wait. And as we are in the season of Advent, we're reminded that we are a waiting people. We know Jesus has come. He came on Christmas. And we know he's going to come back. Those things are sure. Right now, what are we doing? We're waiting. And we're praying. And we're praying a simple prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. If you don't know what to pray, if, if all of this sermon, you're struggling with what's going on, and you leave with one thought, leave with your simple Advent prayer being, come, Lord Jesus. Come into this situation. Come into my life. Come into this world. Just come, Lord Jesus. We don't know what to pray. Those three words are enough. And God will answer that prayer. And so we're talking about waiting patience in prayer. And we have that wonderful Abraham story to start us. And I'm glad that you all started laughing because I can't help but laugh at that story as well. When the almighty God, right, shows up and says, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham goes, hold on. 
Now, to give you just a slight backstory, his nephew Lot is in Sodom, right? So it's not just random sinful city. It's an important city to him. And he goes, hold on. You're going to destroy a whole city? What if you find 50 righteous people? And God goes, okay, 450. Well, what if you find like five less than 50? Really? If we couldn't just find 50, but five less than 50? Okay, 45. Now, don't be too mad at me, God, but what if we find 40? Okay, 40. I'm going to ask once more. 30. I mean, do you hear this boldness that comes out of Abraham? And in, there's this wonderful seminary class I had where, you know, in seminary, we like to think of ourselves as very smart and we have things together. And so we like to have arguments over big ideas. Like an argument over this would be like, what do you do with the sovereignty of God, the omnipotence of God, and yet Abraham's prayer seems to be moving God, right? Now there's an interesting dissertation that we could talk about. None of you want that to be today's sermon though, but... This guy next to me, he had a beautiful point where he said, yep, all of that's true, but also isn't it just simply true that Abraham's prayers mattered? Like Abraham's words were important and God heard and responded. So yes, there's those big ideas, but also the beautiful simplicity of God loves to hear our voices. He loves to hear his people. And so today we're going to zoom in with an idea of patience. We're going to zoom in on what is it to be a person who prays, specifically a person who prays with patience. So I've written a statement, and I'm going to reveal it to you slowly. And this statement is going to be kind of the heart of what we're going to be talking about today and what we um, take home with us, hopefully. So let's start here. Prayer is calling upon the name of the Lord, right? Prayer is as simple as that. We hear in Paul says in Romans chapter 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God loves to hear his people call on his name. He loves his people to lift up their voices and to call on his name. He wants a relationship with his people. He loves it when we, whether we're driving in traffic and we're feeling frustrated that our day's not going the way we should, and we call out, Lord, help me. Or if we're rejoicing in worship or just getting the best news ever, and we say, Lord, thank you for that. Or we're sprawled out on the ground with no hope left because we know the life we've lived and the things we've done, and we can't imagine being forgiven. He hears us. You see, in Scripture, and I've said this before, so I won't spend a lot of time, but in Scripture, there are three prayer positions, and there's not one prayer position. This prayer position is nowhere in the Bible. In fact, and all of these as white Rancho Palos Verdes Lutherans are to make you uncomfortable, okay? In the Bible, there are three primary prayer positions. The first one, you gotta be very careful how you say this, is prostrate on the ground. Laid out, face first, hands out, feet out. And it's usually a sign of repentance. God, I have no hope. I can't do anything. 
I need you. Confession. The next, on your knees, eyes up, hands up. Then, standing, eyes up, hands up. Those are the three ways God's people pray in Scripture. They call upon the name of the Lord, whether they are laid out on the ground with nothing left to offer, barely able to stand in adoration with their hands up, expecting God to do something, or standing up in joy, rejoicing at what God has done. We call upon the name of the Lord, and he hears us. He hears us because he cares about us. So, prayer is calling upon the name of the Lord, believing that he will act for his people. In prayer, there's remembering. There's remembering who God is and what he's done. There's a book in the Bible called Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy is written to God's people, the second generation, who have left the Exodus, who are wandering in the wilderness, and it's told to them to say, remember what God has done. Let me tell you the story of what God has done. So, I mean, we could grab a lot of verses from Deuteronomy, but we'll grab Deuteronomy 8, 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to his ancestors as he is doing today. God worked. He's done the work, and he shows up. It is remembering that God hears our voice He's acted in history before, and he will do it again. A couple of just kind of fun examples. One from a long time ago. Um, some of you may know I'm doing a Kings of the Road podcast with my buddy Andrew, where we're going back and we're remembering um, the stories of the road trip we went to serve churches 20 years ago. Um, if you're getting a Christmas card from us, you'll be getting a couple stickers for the Kings of the Road podcast, because I bought a 1,000 stickers for $70. And a thousand stickers is a lot of stickers. They're never sure. I was just like, you know, dinking around on the internet. Sure, let's buy. Oh, that's a lot of stickers to have. So, um, but we were, we were really wanting a scooter. And like not a little like push scooter, but a motor scooter on the road trip. And it was a constant adventure to get a scooter. And you can listen for how these things go. But there's a moment where Andrew is remembering that he hasn't prayed over the fact that we want a scooter. And so he prays in the motorhome while I'm driving, and the way he remembers the story, he opens his eyes, and on the side of the road in Traverse City, Michigan, is a little red scooter that says, for sale. And he's like, stop! And then you'll have to listen for the rest of the story of what happens um, with that scooter. But it was like an immediate answer to this prayer. And this week, in um, our staff, Townsend, I think it was on Tuesday, re- remembered or realized that he didn't have his um, insulin um, for his diabetes. And so he prayed and said, God, you know, I need to find this insulin somewhere here. And then almost immediately stumbled upon a bottle that he had forgotten was here. Later that day, Amy, our office assistant, was <coughs> um, realizing, or I think you left the house without lunch, going, God will provide lunch. And so then she saw Townsend's prayer worked so quickly for insulin. So she thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray that God brings me lunch. 
Now, I like the little sandwich up at Pavilions, $9, and you get a French bread loaf with meat in it. If you don't have this yet, it's the best deal around, okay? And it feeds a ton of people. So I grab this, and I come in, and, and Amy goes, what's in the bag? I'm like, lunch for whoever wants it. And she's like, aha, I just prayed, and we now have enough sandwich for, I mean, this room. It could be. $9. It's amazing. God hears our prayers. And it's good to remember. It's good to write down and keep prayer journals of prayers you prayed and answers that happened. You know, I was just thinking, and I haven't done this, so don't think of me as some spiritual giant. And when I was a, um, in undergraduate degree and learning Greek, the way I learned Greek was I would put the words on flashcards and put them on a ring in my pocket. And whenever I'd be standing in line or waiting for anything, I'd be flipping through Greek words to put them in my long-term memory was the way that I was taught to do it. So I was the guy who was like just standing there flipping through these hundreds of cards. I thought, what if you started to do that with prayers? And you just had like a little prayer ring that you kept close by and you could just remind yourself that God has acted in the past. When you're in those hopeless moments, you feel like, oh, this can't get any better. Can't, it can't possibly improve. Oh, yeah. That time I needed a sandwich, and I got a sandwich. That time that these things happened. God listens to his people, and he cares about his people. So, prayer is calling upon the name of the Lord, believing that he will act for his people, and I know you love this part, in his way. Oh! It's not just the way I want it to be. No. Now, think about the Abraham story. Abraham is arguing for the sake of Sodom. He's saying, Lord, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. And Abraham left, thought, oh, there's got to be 10 righteous people. I got God down to 10 righteous people. What happened to the city of Sodom? It got destroyed. There wasn't 10 righteous people. It's interesting, isn't it? As God is hearing the call from Abraham At the same time, he knows the story. God acts in his way, and we can trust him with his way, even though it doesn't make sense to us. So prayer is calling upon the name of the Lord, believing that he will act for his people in his way. And what are his ways? His ways are towards redemption and resurrection. One of my um, favorite theologians wrote a book called Systematic Theology and the Triune God. It's not approachable. Don't buy it. But he says this. He says, God is whoever raised Jesus from the dead, having before raised Israel from Egypt. One of my favorite definitions of God God is bound to his saving actions. He's defined by his saving actions. So he's going to hear and respond to his people in his way, and his way will be for redemption and resurrection. It will not be in our time. It will not be in the way we want it to be, but it will be good. How do we know that? Because we know who he is. 
We know that he's the one who saved Israel out of Egypt. We know he's the one who rescued Jesus from the death. And then he will rescue us. So we can pray, we can call out upon him. We can say anything we want to him. He listens, he hears us, he hears Abraham, he responds, and he does it in his way. And we trust him with that. The one last part of the statement, God, or prayer is calling upon the name of the Lord, believing that he will act for his people in his way because he always has. Because he always has. It's who he is. He is the redeeming one. He is the listening one. He is the righteous one. And so we pray to him so that we can be transformed. We don't pray to him so that he will twist his message and change his message. But what happens in prayer is as we call out upon the name of the Lord, as we remember his saving acts in the past, as we know his character, it is we who become different. And we fall in line with the way he is working in the world. Prayer primarily changes us because we listen to and learn from the heartbeat of God. So I want us to try something. Now, this is going to be an interactive moment here. So I want you to take your hands out and we're going to clap. Yes, you, me, us, we're going to clap. We're going to clap. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Good. And we're going to keep clapping, and we're going to see what starts to happen as groups of people start to clap. And if you'll notice, and if we go fast enough and long enough, what groups of people always do is we tend to speed up. Okay? Can you stop clapping right now? We speed up as a group of people. When crowds of people start clapping, we start slow, and then we slowly build and slowly build, and you go to any concert, and what happens is it picks up pace. And I think this is a lot like our prayer life. We, we get ahead of ourselves, and we start to clap, and we go, 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 go faster and faster. God, answer now. Do it the way we want it done. But what prayer with the living God is, is it's like this. Andres, if you would. So do we hear that? Are you ready? Wait for it. Oh, a little ahead. There it is. We're getting there. Oh, it's a little ahead. You can stop it, Andres. It's hard, isn't it? What's crazy? That was the same every time. 
consistent every time. And what did you find yourself doing? Oh, going a little too fast. How long would it take for us as a people to get in tune with that rhythm? How long would it take for us to just start to sit in that rhythm? This is what prayer does. We spend our lives too fast, too slow, left, right, up, down. And God's consistent heart is beating for his people. He's doing things in his way because he always has. And so what we do in prayer is we learn to start to clap with his rhythm. And the longer we're in prayer, the longer we're sitting with that drumbeat hitting us, the more we get in tune with this heartbeat of who God is. And so we had to wait. We had to wait and wait. And God will. He will do his thing every time. Be the people who call upon the name of the Lord, who call upon him when you're laid out on the floor, when you're standing up, when you're on your knees, call upon his name. And as you do, I believe you will learn the heartbeat and the clap for God that we then as a church can go and take out because his news and his work is always good and always for us. Heavenly Father, um, this is a hard message to take in because it's easier when we are just clapping together. But when you, when your drive comes on, for some reason it becomes different and more difficult. So Lord, we're trying now to learn what it is to listen to your voice and to hear your consistent presence. Lord, let us never forget that that consistent presence is good and it's for us. That you are the one who raised Israel from Egypt, raised Jesus from the dead, and you will one day raise us.